to the Fallon Forum, where we bring you independent voices and civil dialogue across the political divide. This is Ed Fallon. I'm your host, and we're coming to you from the cultural and culinary crossroads of America. Uh, yep, that's Des Moines, Iowa, folks, if you didn't know. Hey, if you value what we do, we need your support. Visit the uh, donations page on the Fallon Forum website, or if you run a small business, or if you're with a nonprofit doing good work, consider becoming a sponsor. And speaking of sponsors, thanks to Gateway Marketing Cafe, that's Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. That's Gateway Market and Cafe. Thanks also to psychiatrist Dr. David Drake. If you live in Iowa, wherever you live in Iowa, Dr. Drake can help through the convenience and privacy of televideo counseling offered on a self-pay basis. Contact DavidDrakeFamilyPsychiatry.com. Charles Goldman is in the studio with me. I tell you, he just keeps coming back for more. Hello, Charles. How are you? Doing good, Ed. All right. Hey, and a quick shout-out to our uh, our new bummer music. Thanks to Des Moines Irish Session for that. So, Charles, our lineup this week, uh, we'll be talking about the NFL um, and also what did they know or when did they know about chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Uh, good conversation. We'll also, while we're talking NFL, take a look at Rihanna's halftime performance. You didn't like it. I did. We'll also talk about the Jesus Gets Us ads. Interesting stuff. And also, the most important question, is Tom Brady really, truly retiring or is he pulling our string again? But we're also going to talk about, um, the. Uh, well, Charles has a list of uh, Trump's greatest hits for us to look at. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I have no idea where that conversation is going to go. It's my President's Day celebration. All right. <laughs> That's right. Happy President's Day. Here's our list of Trump's greatest. And finally, for our farm and food conversation, Kathy Burns and I will answer the question of who said this? And I quote, if we are not growing food in America, then we become more dependent on China, Mexico, and other nations for our food. Hint, it's a high-powered Republican official. Yeah, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get around to that. But first, we've got to take a look at this Brookings Institute study. It has uh, ticked off a lot of the pundits on the political right probably not surprisingly, because, well, it asserts that they lie a lot. And, uh, Charles, you will be pleased to know, I think, since you're a big fan of Steve Bannon and the war room, that uh, Steve Bannon was number one in terms of most lies. And <laughs> was this some sort of just counting of lies or... Well, it was. The, I mean, the, the, there was seventy nine Severity in terms of the topic? Uh, you know, that's a good question. Uh, the... the uh, Okay, so one question at a time. Okay. 79 different political podcasts were, uh, were, were looked at. And, mm -hmm. and surprisingly, the Fallon Forum was not one of them. <laughs> but most of them were uh, to the right, significantly. There were a few on the left. And uh, the researchers reviewed, uh, by reviewed, I don't, know, I don't know whether they mean listen to the entire thing or just spot search it, but they reviewed 36,000 episodes. That's a lot. Mm. This is a big project. I mean, the Brookings Institute has a lot of money. They do big projects. And now they found out that, uh, that, that, uh, that the, the uh, 10 hosts uh, were responsible for 60% of the false claims. And not surprisingly, almost all, no, no, all of them, not almost, all of them were on the political right. Uh, and that includes claims about uh, the 2020 election and covid and what surprised and really disappointed me was for some reason the Brookings Institute study did not include uh, comments, misstatements, outright lies about climate change. That, that blew me away. So mm -hmm. anyway, I, I actually found out about this report. I mean, I'm, I'm in tune with the media. I, 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 follow, I follow news quite closely. I found out about this Brookings Institute study while listening to the Clay and Buck show. And again, for folks who aren't familiar, Clay and Buck, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton, they are the new Rush Limbaugh. And it's on their program that I heard about so it takes this. So it takes two of them to replace Limbaugh? That's right. It takes two, two, two current right-wing hosts to make one Limbaugh. And all, you know, all, that said, Limbaugh had a unique talent, so mm -hmm. I get it. But, um, and then, of course, the context in which I heard this was they were blasting this report. And, they, and to their, to their you know, distinct pleasure, Clay and Buck were listed as the third worst um, media outlet 
in terms of reliability. Okay, so we have Bannon. Bannon, um, I can't remember who was second now. I'd have to go back and check, but but Clay and Buck were third. You mean not Tucker Carlson? No, Tucker Carlson was surprisingly not second. <laughs> I mean, if you, if if one could see Charles's shock, <laughs> he's truly outstanding. Well, especially uh, after what came out this week in terms of that the Dominion uh, emails, you know, that they were able to extract from Fox, showing that every one of their stars knew that Trump's claim of the election was stolen was completely nonsense. Yeah. But they were petrified. They're also afraid of him. That you know, and Carlson was saying we can't really go against this because. The stock might go down. Well, and and, and and you know, there. I think I think the the right wing pundits who are ter- have been terrified of Trump mm-hmm. are less so now because he's got some serious competition on the right. Mm-hmm. Nikki Haley, uh, probably Mike Pence, uh, certainly Ron DeSantis, and there may be more. And of course, the the more the more challengers Trump draws in the Republican primary, the more likely he is to pull it out. So we'll see what happens with that. But um, the first salvo of that primary is happening this week in Iowa. Nikki Haley is coming to town. Right. Uh, tempted to go see her. Charles? I would love to. I thought it was supposed to be today. Well, okay, yes. <laughs> today, Monday, the day we're taping this program. Oh, okay. Okay. But uh, yeah, so and anyway, we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, that that hasn't stopped the, the, uh, the voices on the right from being uh, reliably uh, wrong <laughs> about the 2020 election. I mean, it is, and there's still people who are going to disagree with me saying, yo, they, the election was stolen. Well, th- that is not defensible. That is not, you know, rationally and empirically defensible. And, and neither is, while we're at it, the notion that climate change is not happening or is a hoax or is not the, you know, not, not the product of human activity. And yeah, the, I mean, the, you know, I, I heard Clay and Buck. I think it was mostly Clay actually, because Buck apparently is uh, on his honeymoon. Congratulations, uh, Aaron Order. So, um, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, great but, sincerity uh, in that. But, well, no, I congratulate anybody on getting married. Even, yeah. even, even if you got married, Charles, I would well, congratulate that, you. Don't worry about that. Okay, all right. But the um, so so you know, but but they're but they're they're. I mean, he made a good point. Clay says, you know, we we invited the Brookings Institute the researchers to come mm. on our program and to show us and to discuss with us why what we're saying is inaccurate. And they declined. Uh, I don't know that for sure. That very well could be. I would not be surprised if a big think tank or a big representative of the mainstream media would decline an invitation to discuss something controversial. I've had that experience myself. I mean, they've just done this study. They know that these two broadcasters are highly influential by the very the findings of their own study yeah. right yeah I mean and this is this is kind of where we're at I mean I understand well first of all the fact that that usually a small percentage of the podcasters or the small percentage of the anti-vaxxers for instance with COVID and everything else you know generate 90% of the content right that's the nature of the internet right now and you know because of the way things are handled the algorithms on social media but, you know, I mean, part of, and, and the left is no better than the right with this. If you think your ideas are so great, defend them. And don't defend them within the bubble. Defend yeah. them against other right. people who disagree with you. It's the same right. thing that's happening in schools. Yeah. Universities in one hand, now in third grade, on the other hand, where you can't read a book that might discomfort <laughs> you. You know, so this is, this is a huge problem. I mean, yes, we're all worried about what AI can do. We're all worried about, you know, the way that that, that social media can be manipulated. And, I, and I, I'm, you know, looking at your notes and saying, of course, that you know, Brookings says regulation is what we need. No, that, that, and that concerns me. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, I, 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 Any I'm, person okay, on either but, side should be fearful well, of that. Well, although we, I, I would say this, we, uh, we, we are suffering nowadays because of uh, certain regulations that made a lot of sense in the realm of radio that were done away with. One back in the 80s under Ronald Reagan, mm-hmm. where the fairness doctrine was eliminated, where if you had access to a public uh, a public signal, I mean, the, the airwaves are public, much as the interstates, much as the, the internet for that matter. Uh, and, you know, it made sense to allow, to require that there be some balance in the presentation of views. That was done away with in the 80s to great detriment, detriment to the 
capacity to have intelligent discussion and to have, as you said, an exchange of your ideas. You, you don't have to have that anymore. You are entirely within a bubble when you're on talk radio. Well, the other thing that happened, and and I, I know everyone goes back to the, the Fairness Doctrine issue. Well, and also the, the Telecommunications the, right. Act of 96, right. signed by Bill Clinton. Signed by Bill Clinton, that's yeah. correct. You know, but ultimately, I don't know that regulation can fix what's really driving this. What's driving this is that news was pushed to be an entertainment, to make money. Mm-hmm. And just again, going back to the very thing we're talking about, Fox News defends most of what they do in terms of disinformation as we are not really a news channel. <laughs> we are an entertainment channel. That's been the defense in various cases. So what's the word news doing in there? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. But, the, but they yeah. see it's, this is entertainment. They're simply pandering to what people want to hear. Yeah. They're really not even concerned with informing it's, them anymore. It's really, it's really a tough question because how do you provide a fair and reasonable structure for an industry to operate, whether it's radio or something else, uh, with, with, with being as minimally invasive as possible. I mean, that's, that's always the challenge to me with my libertarian leanings is I don't want to see a lot of government overreach, but I also understand the importance of making sure that what the, the product coming out of that particular sector is not dangerous. And you could well argue that some of the stuff coming out of the propaganda machine on the right, and you could probably make similar you know, observations about some on the left, that some of that is dangerous because it is, it is inflammatory, it is inaccurate, uh, and it is inclined, it is intended to try to fire up an audience to make money for the sponsors. <laughs> you know? But, right. but in, in the process, it creates a lot of, um, a lot of turmoil that, uh, that manifests itself in some very dangerous ways. Shootings, insurrections, you know, you know, eventually perhaps a coup. Who knows? Well, I, you know, part of the problem is that perhaps the human mind is not really well suited to what it's being asked to do, which is in a flood of information, right. in a flood of distraction, in carefully human-engineered ways to make you watch the phone, Okay. Because you want to know the the next big breaking thing that's going to happen. Correct. Right. And 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 to spend more time with your phone than you do with a actual human being, we're you know it's kind of the same thing when you when you get into you know into genocide, you know human ethics was created for basically hand to hand combat. You know that you you had to you had to do the killing yourself. There you had it, not folks. push a Dr. button. Dr. Charles Goldman praising hand to hand combat. Well, but but you know we're we don't necessarily have the capabilities right now to handle all of what's going on around us. So no. so people, even people who are nominally educated, I say nominally educated because they carry, have a degree. That doesn't really mean they're educated, but they they don't understand statistics. They they do not understand how to say this doesn't make any sense to me. I don't care that somebody said this or some study said this. None, you know, this just doesn't make any sense. You know, the death of common sense. So it, it, regulation, I agree with you, is not going to answer this. Well, know? and I say that with the caveat that I do think that some level of regulation well, is needed. Well, but the purpose really... of government in regulating things is to reduce harm right. in interactions between people. And to create fairness and to tr- across the spectrum. To, trade the, to create the possibility of fairness. Okay, yes, yes. You cannot create fairness. Right, but you can, you can prevent monopolies from forming, as we, have, right. as we have now failed to do in a lot of sectors of the economy. No, I, I agree with you there. You know, and, and, you know, and to some degree, how much money and time did Brookings spend on this? I mean, is, this, great really, is Again, this really something 30? that's novel well, to you know, anybody? I, I read as much of the report as I could stomach, and it's, it's not... It's not real. It's not something that a normal person and a present company excluded. You know, <laughs> yeah. Or I'm not going to. Most people aren't going to read that. And again, I didn't see any press coverage on this, and I tracked this stuff. I heard about it on Clay and Buck, and they were bashing it. Mm-hmm. You know, and as I read it, it's not. It's not very readable. I mean, I, I'm, I was trying. Okay, so they have trouble with Clay and Buck. Let me. Let me. Uh, I, I searched for Clay, mm-hmm. and all they came up with a couple distant references to a podcast and an hour-long podcast and I tried to listen to that and find you know it was a, it was a, some of the usual election denying stuff but actually it was mostly his guest that was denying the election not him so you know 
Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know what the value of this is. I, really I, I, don't, don't. I don't either. I mean, and, and you know, getting sort of a, a a preview of what we'll partly talk about, I guess, in the next segment is, you know, it, it's kind of like I was reading the New York Times, right? And I watched Rihanna's present, you know, performance at the Super Bowl, and the critic at the New York Times. I mean, it was. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking, did I watch the same performance? You know, we can talk about that, but it's almost like. It was required because of Rihanna's persona, you know, because of her sort of femme forward appeal that he was going to write this. Okay. The, he, but that was misinformation. I mean, it was a horrible performance. Well, we are going to, and that's a great segue, Charles. And uh, we're going to move on from the Brookings Institute study. Uh, I'm going to leave you with one quote from uh, Clay Travis, again, to the Clay and Buck Show. Third most unreliable source of media out there, according to Brookings. Uh, uh, well, they can work on beating Bannon. They, they yeah. catch up during the no, three ben, months. Ben, ben was in, way yeah. ahead. Ben was way ahead. <laughs> Bannon, Bannon nailed it. Yeah. Oh, he has gosh. an insurmountable lead. I mean, what really bugged me at the Brookings, I mean, they, they do this study, and they talk about election, you know, election denial, about uh, COVID misinformation. They never talk about how these hosts also absolutely blatantly deny the science of climate change. I mean, it's a huge opportunity lost. But I, you know, I don't know. So I, again, I'm I'm not defending Clay and Buck's uh, criticism up to the except to the extent of, you know, Brookings Institute people should have been willing to come on their show mm-hmm. and defend their study. I absolutely agree with you. And you know, and they should probably spend their money doing something a little bit more valuable and readable. Anyway, but hey, this uh, this line from Clay Travis, which I think is fun. You know, they they can't stand Joe Biden, of course, mm-hmm. and they say that everything Biden touches turns to crap. They call it the Bidest touch. Anyway. <laughs> How clever. I thought, well, I'm a little bit clever. Well, it's the only mythology that most of their listeners know. <laughs> so. well, except the mythology of Wall Street. <laughs> hey, we've got to take a short break, folks. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about the NFL. Most importantly, about chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Can I just call it CTE and be done with it? Sure. That's okay. what everyone knows. It yeah. And we're also going to take a look at Rihanna's halftime performance. I thought it was good. Charles didn't. We're also going to take a look at the Jesus Gets Us ads. I liked them. Charles didn't. And we're going to also talk about whether Tom Brady is indeed retiring. Back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store, centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand-cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines, and craft beer. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market. Good food, great community. You're responsible for a lot, and it's easy to become overwhelmed, to feel helpless, even hopeless. What's not so easy is finding your way back to feeling and functioning better. Psychiatrist Dr. David Drake helps individuals and couples throughout Iowa with the convenience and privacy of televideo counseling. Dr. Drake also prescribes medication when needed and his services are offered on a self-pay basis. If you need help, don't delay. Contact Dr. Drake at daviddrakefamilypsychiatry.com. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. At a time when big corporations control most of our media, you know, the niche that we provide here is more important than ever. So please support what we do. You can go to the Fallon Forum website, check it out, donate, even better, become a monthly sponsor. And speaking of sponsors, thanks to Story County Veterinary Clinic, where Dr. Kim Holding has been caring for all creatures, great and small, for over 30 years. Learn more at Story County Veterinary Clinic's Facebook page. Thanks also to Architecture by Synthesis. Owner Mark Clipsham says that no matter how you plan or renovate your project, please use the most energy-efficient methods you can afford and the greenest, longest-lasting materials available. That's Architecture by Synthesis. All right, so, uh, Charles, we saw the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. We didn't see it together this year as we normally do. That's true. Yeah, and we won't get into the reasons why. <laughs> We're still friends, um, but uh, you um, 
I kind of wish I'd been there to see your reaction to Rihanna's halftime performance. I thought it was pretty good. Well, you would have had to wake me up. Why? Because it was boring. Why was it boring? She was absolutely listless. Showed almost no energy. What do you mean energy? I mean... I, Did she move more than 10 feet? Why does she have to move? She's a singer. Yeah. Why should she have to move at all? Well, the my, sing- be- my best performances of all people who sit at a piano and never move. It was, I just, I didn't get it. She, she seemed to me indistinguishable from so many other pop singers. I think a lot of Rihanna is, is about who she is and her willingness to take chances, you know, to some degree in her music, but also beyond in, in you know, in her personal life, in her willingness to call out Trump, you know, as the stupidest man, you know, in, in the United States in 2019, things like that. But, I mean, as far as the performance was concerned, it was just a marketing opportunity. I mean, she hasn't had an album for like seven years, you know. So how is that? She any, kind of lips. How, she lip syncs her greatest hits. Okay, so how is that different than any other Super Bowl halftime show? Well, I'm not saying it is. Okay, so you just it don't was like unima- Super Bowl halftime shows. Yeah, it was unimaginative. You know, I didn't. I didn't understand what the abominable snowmen were. Oh, they were Oompa Loompas. <laughs> I don't know what they were either, but but they were kind of cool. I thought they were cool. <laughs> Somebody I, I, I described the set as something like the Smash Brothers. Put <laughs> on. I, I I was unmoved. All right. But I, I and and then what I I think the reason I even brought it up was the fawning nature of the media. You know, it, it to you me it seemed that like in the last yeah, segment. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it seemed like an emperor has no clothes kind of thing. It was that's what you're expected to say, you know, and no, uh, I, I I I thought it was a good performance. I mean, I, I far be it for me to agree with the mainstream media on something, but I thought I thought it was uh, well done. Well, anyway. needless to say, the 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 right went crazy. Well, they didn't like it at all. Well, first they went crazy because of them singing. You know, what is it? Uh, Lift your voice and sing, you know, the Black National Anthem. Sure. Right. So that, of course, was guess who said, well, this is un-American, you know. And, Why? Because these people hate America. Um, well, guess who? Tucker Carlson? No. <laughs> I don't even think Tucker Carlson said this. Okay. The usual suspects. Carrie Lake. Oh, okay. Okay. Iowa girl. <laughs> Lauren Bobbert. Oh, yeah. Okay. And... Of course, Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor, Taylor Green. Yes, and then right. Trump, of course, had to weigh in on True Social yeah. for the four people that might have seen his, you know, his. What do they call it? What, what what's a, is it? Truth? I don't know what they call it when you when you. It's not tweet. It's not a yeah, tweet. It's, it's, the it's Trump something. Tweet, yeah. yeah, whatever it is. So anyway, you didn't you didn't like the halftime show, and you didn't like the Jesus gets us ads. Either, well, no, it's not so you? much. I didn't like the Jesus gets us ads. I mean, the first time I'd seen these ads before, and. Um, I was really perplexed. I, you know, initially I saw them as kind of benign, and I was actually kind of stunned how they brought in, you know, Jesus is kind of, that was a social reformer view of Jesus. Right? Yeah, it was very much a social gospel view yeah, of exactly. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. I was kind of stunned. And yeah. the reason I was kind of stunned was because that was my initial reaction, and then you find out who the people are behind it. Yeah. Well, who, who, I mean, they're, well, they're, they're anonymous the donors. donors. They're well, anonymous no, donors. no, no, David Green actually told, David Green, who's the, the CEO of Hobby Lobby, actually told uh, Glenn Beck that he, he gave them a bunch of money. Okay. Okay. And um, we, of course, know that, you know, Green is very vocal about his, he has very traditional Christian views. Uh, well, I, I don't know if they're traditional Christian views, but he thinks they are, uh, you know, which are very much, you know, uh, about, Anti-LGBTQ, Hobby Lobby, of course, was the the straw man. But look, but, I mean, look you go to the website. Here, here are mm-hmm. the things that they talk about. Yeah. Quote: Jesus called out the toxic, toxic religious and political systems. Mm-hmm. Jesus led the protest against the walls that divide us. Jesus broke the chains that held women in bondage. Jesus was a refugee and an immigrant. I mean, that's all straight out of the, you know, the left tradition of Christianity. Right. So are they, are you think they're trying to appropriate that? To it's a Trojan horse. A Trojan horse, okay. <laughs> there's some sort of subliminal messaging. The there's some subliminal, subliminal messaging in there I'm not getting. Yeah. You know, that, because you're like, Jewish. No, I, I, think, I think in the background they're really playing Paul is dead backwards. You know? <laughs> so it's some kind of brainwashing thing. Like, yeah. uh, No, I, I, you know, I was stunned because I agree with you. I'm watching it the first time. I said, well, this is pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. Because really, yeah, very much the social gospel. And then, of course... The, the left came down on 
well, this is David Green and others, although that was their main objection to it, yeah. right? They didn't uh-huh. adjust, object to the content, but to the source. That's correct. Okay. And it, it, like myself, wondering, there's got to be something more going on here I'm not getting. Wow. But, um, and then, of course, many of the, the, the you know, the kind of Christo fascist elements where, you know, whatever they're up to. Um, they Christo were, fascist. Okay. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> you know, so they, you know, they, of course, were, no, this isn't what Jesus said. No. Jesus said, get rich. I, well, no, because, well, you know, underlying is, is, is this is the prosperity gospel that Jesus, well, yeah. Jesus is really, yeah, Jesus really wanted you to go to a church with his 25,000 seats in the Starbucks and, and, to drop and the a gift lot of, store. Drop a lot of money so your pastor can have a private plane. Right, and... Not making that up. Well, there no, are I understand who, that. who demanded that. I, yeah. I understand that. And, and you know, and the $40,000 sneakers. But, you know, the notion that, no, your judgment from God in this failed world is that if you're doing well economically, God wants you to. Yeah. And that was Jesus' message. You know. Capitalism, God's way of separating... The smart people from the poor people. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I think it's unfair to say I didn't like it. I, I kind of, it, it, what, what interested me is, is sort of the same thing that happened like th- you know, maybe two, three years ago when we watched, and they had the first ads from the jeweler, the jewelers with gay marriage ceremonies depicted. Mm, yeah. And I'm, I was sitting there watching them saying, this is the Super Bowl. This is not the most enlightened crowd that's watching this. So, of course, it's like 100 million people watching, so it's about a third of the United States. You know, and I'm watching this and saying, wow, at least the jewelers have figured out it's about selling stuff. <laughs> you know? And, you know, and and here, this and is what I, sells, I this here, is what sells. I mean, here, they, you know, the, the Christianity across the board, this is one thing that unites all Christians, are concerned about the drastic decline in membership. And so maybe this is one way of trying to, uh, trying to um, ignite some interest in it. I mean, and to me, that's the same reason that, that Francis was chosen to be the Pope of the Catholic Church, breaking a long tradition of very uh, conservative uh, popes, mm-hmm. uh, somebody who could have had a message that could reach the impoverished masses who were starting to say, hey, maybe this church isn't for me after all. So, but, you know, I mean, the bottom line for me is I, I like the ads, I wonder whether there couldn't have been better ways of spending $7 million for a 30-second ad. Well, okay. All right. <laughs> See, that was one of the critiques from the left. Right. Okay. There were a lot of $7 million that were spent on various ads. Sure. Okay. And, and with, all of them with could less have been loft, With less lofty purposes than other than selling this triangular-shaped Dorito. I already yeah. thought they were triangular How, how much was spent on Rihanna's <laughs> halftime show? I have no idea. <laughs> but, I mean, that's putting money back in the economy. Okay. Hey, so we we got to switch gears here. Uh, CTE. Yeah. Again, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Right. Now, so, there's something that the the, uh, the NFL has been concerned about lately. Well, it's not just lately. I mean, actually, the reason I, I thought we should talk about it is that, um, well, first of all, let's be fair. I mean, there's multiple sports in which this has been described. Uh, a game I love, hockey, mm-hmm. NHL. Huge problems with the same. In fact, sure, I can see that. You know, in, in, in fact, the NHL was didn't adopt mandatory helmet wearing until much, much later, knowing full well what was going on. Um, when I was a kid, you were considered a sissy if you wore a helmet. Well, it's, for what that's worth. Well, I think what's interesting <laughs> is is that you know the, the there's been a, a number of things that have come out from medical anthropologists and medical historians talking about that. This was a discussion, believe it or not, you know, in terms of m- multiple concussions uh, causing, uh, you know, brain degeneration that goes back into the late 1880s. And that actually what happened was that this was, this kind of was first noted in terms of sports in, in boxers hmm, sure. around the turn of the uh, 20th century. And um, it, it kind of got known as punch drunk syndrome and kind of other names, I think uh, traumatic, you know. Uh, traumaticus pugilistiaris or something, you know, all these Latin names that I can't remember all of them. But anyway, um, and actually, you know, it, people, I know this finds hard to believe, but initially football was played for predominantly at Ivy League schools. Right. And kind uh, of the, the successor, the, the North American successor to rugby. That's correct. And, and, and so it was played with no equipment. 
Um, and there were... It's probably safer without equipment. Well, it, <laughs> yes and no. I mean, because what happened was, and, and this is also around the time in the 1930s where the NCAA starts to come into existence, um, that the decision was made to add some padding because there were deaths from abdominal injuries and stuff like that. And actually, the number of concussions went up because now you were ramming your head, which either was totally uncovered or you were wearing a leather helmet, which doesn't absorb a lot of force, um, into this heavy padding. And so the notion that CTE is something we have to watch for another 50 years to decide whether it's really true, which is the position that the NFL and college football have taken, among other sports. That's a lot, yeah. First of all, you can't – this is not – it, it, this is not a cancer treatment, and you can't wait 50 years and keep doing the same things you're doing and expect that all of a sudden, 50 years from now, you're going to say, oops, I guess we should have done something about it, right? Because the question really is, is, well, first of all, can we do anything about it? And the answer probably to some degree is no. I mean, the major changes presently are to reduce contact in practice. You can't, you can't do helmet to helmet anymore. Right. There are certain rule changes that have probably reduced it to some degree. And obviously the screening for showing concussive symptoms and removing the player from the field, those are all in place. In, among the youth sports, you know, there are some places, believe it or not, they're going to flag football. Instead that of, seems like a very positive development. Maybe it's just not as interesting a sport to watch, though. Correct, because we have to ask ourselves, is to some degree our fascination with sports inherently about their violence? You know, and, and again, the, you know, the NFL is not alone in that. I mean, I think people will watch car racing for, to some degree, looking for disasters to happen. Um, you know, and so— That's why people follow political campaigns, too. <laughs> and and with that, it's much more reproducible than car <laughs> racing right, right, right. that you're going to have disasters happen. But I mean, this goes away. The NFL knew about this for a long time. Well, yes. I mean, once we get into the mid 1900s, then it's pretty clear that 1950, 60. Yeah, yeah, that they knew this was happening, and it wasn't until certain very prominent cases came up. Mike Webster with the Pittsburgh Steelers was actually the one. That was the case that the Boston University pathologist, you know, ended up examining Webster's brain, and he had gone from being an all-pro center to living on the streets, mm-hmm. you know, and he was, you know, in horrible mental illness. And then we've had, you know, Dave Dewison and a whole and a number of others. Um, but part of the problem is, is that the nature of certain sports is that that is what you're supposed to do. Right? right? Acceptance of the risk mm-hmm. is what you're supposed to do, you know? And only recently, yes, did the NFL compensate these older players, and that was really within yeah. the last couple of years. But, you know, we go, we, the NFL is the most popular sport in the United States, so of course we come down on it more than others. But, you know, soccer has a problem with CTE, as has but, hockey but probably even more. Headballing mostly, yeah. Right, heading the yeah. ball, heading a wet yeah. leather ball. Yeah. You know, and, done that. Yeah. So my brain is still mostly functional, I think. Yeah, I mean, I have an open discussion, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) I think the conclusion is, is that it may well be that there are certain sports, as one of these medical historians described, that are just neurologically not viable. And that that might be football. Football, yeah. You know, one player that I don't believe has suffered any traumatic head injury is Tom Brady. Despite forty-five years on the field, yeah. Despite a second, uh, a second retirement. Well, you know what? Because that, that it's all the people in the crowd saying, "Well, you know, in the old days they didn't protect the quarterbacks like they do now." Yeah. <laughs> that's it. It's yeah. all because of all protection. those guys who are sitting in the stands yeah. who would never set foot on a football field, <laughs> you know, if they had ten lives. Yeah, yeah. But so, they're, yeah. Tom Brady's retirement for good or not? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I, I. He's done. Yeah, you know. I mean, I, I didn't understand his return. I mean, you know, yeah, what was he trying to prove? Well, he didn't prove much, except that he won a division uh, title with a losing record. <laughs> well, you know, the funny, the funny thing is it turned out that, that Brady's biggest thing was he wanted to win more titles than Michael Jordan. No, seriously. That's what Edelman said. Edelman said that he was absolutely clear on that. But weirdly, Bill Russell is the greatest winner ever, you know? Another Boston sports figure, yeah, right? Right, right? He won 11 titles in 13 years of playing in the NBA. Yeah. So, I mean, he, you know, Jordan wasn't even the biggest winner in the NBA. 
So I don't know. I mean, I don't know where Brady came uh, came up with that. Well, I mean, we we, we saw him in 80, 80 for Brady, and uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I think he has a promising acting career. Yeah, I mean, this he guy may can also do have a promising uh, announcing career. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll get a podcast. Oh uh, yeah, he'll, I'm sure he'll do that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got to take a short break. Uh, Charles has something stuck in his craw, and it's called his list of Trump's greatest hits. We'll be back in a minute to hear about that and to um, well to see whether he makes any sense or not. Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. With over 5,000 items to choose from, you can order groceries online and the Gateway team will bring them to you curbside. It's a convenient way to shop from anywhere and save time. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week with catering and floral services also available. Visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market. Good food, great community. At Westrom Optometry, Dr. Joel Westrom and his team provide a variety of services, including comprehensive eye exams, children's eye exams, and LASIK co-management. Whether strictly utilitarian or a fashion statement, your comfort and vision are Westrom's primary concern. Dr. Westrom and his staff will work closely with you to determine the best solution for your eyes, prescription, and lifestyle. Services are provided in English and Spanish, and the clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Western Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village. Desperate Chito, upsetting everyone you meet of. Stop. Reprimanding Puerto Rico, throwing paper products at the people. Desperate Chito. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon with you here, folks. Hey, uh, remember, you can support this alternative to the uh, Shock Jocks by becoming a monthly donor or a business sponsor. Check out the Fallon Forum website for details. And thanks to Western Optometry, one of our sponsors located in Des Moines East Village. Dr. Joel Westrom and his staff are fluent in English and Spanish. The clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Western Optometry. All right, Charles. Uh, so, uh, Desperate Chito. <laughs> so, it's a funny song. I mean, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of funny songs about every president, I suppose. But that was um, that one made me laugh. But you've got a list. Well, I, and and interestingly, my first choice of um, what I thought moments that personified the greatness of Donald Trump was, in fact, the Hurricane Maria, uh, Puerto Rico. Episode. Oh, which uh, which Randy Rainbow mentions in that. That's song. correct. Yeah. So let, okay. let yeah, just just let's just remember this. Okay, so eighty um, percent of the, the uh, power, eighty percent of the people in Puerto Rico are have no electric power. Still. Well, this is no, okay. no, this yeah, is yeah, the yeah. point when when Trump decides he's right. going to go down there. Yeah. And um, of course, he's done nothing except rail against NFL players who are you know kneeling instead of. Standing for our great, you know, our great Star Spangled Banner. Um, and, um, you know, then he's talking about, well, you know, Puerto Rico really owes a lot of money to Wall Street. And, you know, so he's talking about the mismanagement. Then he decides, you know, he decides that, um, in fact, his response to the uh, disaster of Hurricane Maria in, in Puerto Rico is the greatest ever. Right. This is where he starts. Of course it is. Right. It was greatest ever. And that, of course, the governor of Puerto Rico and the mayor of San Juan, right? Yeah. Is saying that just thanking him so much. Of course, it's saying just the opposite, right? (laughs) Which is, we're down here. Nobody's helping us. This, of course, led to a moment which made people wonder if Trump even knew where Puerto Rico was. Because... He then he started talking a sharp, about a sharpie. Can, a sharpie well, no, that was yeah. that was the weather one. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. another great moment. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that's when he starts talking about. And I do have to read this because it's really important. That <laughs> that you know Puerto Rico is surrounded by water, big water, wait, ocean wait, is, water. Is this a quote? This is a quote. Wait, wait, wait. Right. Really? It's surrounded. This is an island surrounded by water. Uh, excuse me. That is the definition of an island. Um, big water, ocean water. Okay. <laughs> So, so the question. I've forgotten this one. Yeah, so right. the question comes up: Does he understand? And he says something about big ocean. That in fact Puerto Rico is not in a big ocean. 
It's in a in the Caribbean Sea. It's the corner of the big ocean. No, it's not. In fact, oh, the, the Caribbean the, Sea the is Atlant- part of the Atlantic. No, it, it doesn't. The Atlantic doesn't start oh, for at least another 150 on miles. One. 150 miles east of mm. Puerto Rico. But the point is, okay, it was kind of like the Frederick Douglass moment. Remember, it wasn't clear. When he celebrated Black History Month, it wasn't clear that he didn't know Frederick Douglass was already dead. Okay, so, but then he tells, he tells the Spanish prime minister that, you know, you can't drive trucks to Puerto Rico. Because, <laughs> because it's surrounded by right. big water. It's surrounded by big water. All right, okay. Okay, so this, is, this personifies, of course, his usual self-congratulation, his absolute lack of intelligence. And then he, he, he tops it off by what the song says, right? Which is, he goes down there with um, Melania, the great humanitarian, and he's throwing these paper towels, the package of paper towels, at the people in this room. It was, I'm like wondering, why is he, what's the point of these paper towels? Are they supposed to be like soaking up all the flood water with these paper towels? It was just his his lack of empathy. It, it just it just highlighted as always oh, lack of empathy. Now, <laughs> and, and empathy is something you know a thing or two about. That's correct. Doctor, I know yeah. empathy. <laughs> okay, so that's my number one because I think it absolutely okay. calls into everything about Trump. Yeah, all right, so number two, no question. Two thousand seventeen, he holds his first cabinet meeting. Okay. And this is the one where it's like the dear leader Mao meeting, right? Because for some, some Rice, Priebus, Priebus was his name, whoever his first chief yeah, staff was. Priebus, yeah, yeah. Who, who lasted however long. Not yeah, long. Not long, but long enough <laughs> to say it was the biggest inauguration crowd ever. Um, so they decide to go around the room and everybody has to say, has to say, how wonderful it is to work for dear leader, mm. you know, because it did look like something out of North Korea, well, you know. It looks, it looks like it looks like it could have fit in with the movie that Kathy and I saw this week to, uh, <laughs> as part of our uh, recognition of Black History Month. Race, the movie about uh, Jesse Owens running in the 1936 Olympics in mm-hmm. Berlin. Plenty, yeah. of, plenty of uh, dear leader moments in that movie. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't see the movie yet, but it sounds it's like it's something I should see. Yeah. But and 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 Trump is sitting there with his arms crossed across his chest. And he's got the, the Mussolini chin thing going, right? You know, right, he raises right. his chin. He's El Duce. And <laughs> they go around the room. And, you know, all of them are just, one couldn't be more obsequious than the other. And then, of course, till they come to Mike Pence. Mm-hmm. You know, Mr. Mr. Integrity. And it was, it was just sickening. The only person who didn't talk about the wonderfulness of working for Trump was James Mattis, who was Secretary of Defense at that time. Mm. He talked only about that it's an honor to serve the men and women of the American military. Oh. He didn't even mention Trump. Wow. Should have got fired right. on the spot. Right. But yeah. I thought that was, that was definitely my number two because it so, again, personified what it was like. And, of course, you know, all the, among all the people around the room, most of them were gone within six months. Right. Or with Elaine Chow, who stayed in the entire time, she's now lived long enough yeah. to have him— you know, talk racist things about her and her family, you know, because he, he's pissed at... I think Pence hung on for the longest until he that, was I guess almost that's hung. True, until he almost got killed, right? Yeah. Exactly, by so, okay. his buddy. So, okay, let me just jump in here. Sure. I, I, this, is a, this is fascinating. I imagine that if pushed, you could come up with a similar list of 10 great moments for President Joe Biden. I mean, there are gaffes, yes, but not... No, first no, not, of all, yeah, not not as outstanding, perhaps. But no, but this it's not it's more than than just his his abject stupidity. It's his absolute non caring. It's his smugness. It and you know what what's the worst about it? And the reason why that obsequious cabinet meeting is horrifying to watch is that I think I've told you this before. Trump had one thing right, which was that politicians and people in general suck up to power, and they will do anything to stay in power. They will compromise anything. And that nobody had the guts to, except for James Mattis, Mm -hmm. to not go along. And that's exactly what that four years was like. Everybody went along. I mean, you're seeing it now. Not just within the cabinet, but within the the conservative media. Absolutely. Uh, And you know something? 
you, you're talking about Nikki Haley, right? Yeah. How is she any different? How is she not Carrie Lake with, with the, you know, with the brain? Well, she's you know, certainly not as as extreme as Lake. Come on. No, I understand that. But you know, remember, you know, she was all about that she would stand up to him and everything else, and she's going right back to what they all go. No, back she's running to. against him. How do you? How well, well, well that's but that's about, about it. That's, that's about it. You don't stand up to somebody more powerfully than running against them. Yeah, at the same time <laughs> that she she wasn't a she wasn't like Lake such an overt election denier, but she raised the same questions. No, I mean he's he's got that right, which is that. You know, it is a swamp in some degree. Career politicians aren't that good for this country. No. They're absolutely they not good. The country was not intended to be run by them. That's correct. It was supposed to be you were doing something else and you came together on occasion right. to do the work of the Senator government. Grassley. And you left behind. Yeah, you left behind. Well, he's busy doing push-ups. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, you left behind. You were doing service, right? And sometimes you had to stand up for something so important that you actually risked your career by going against the mainstream. And maybe you were done, but at least you had some integrity left. Okay, so you have eight other points. Are we going to get well, to these or not? No, I mean, I don't have eight other points. Well, I mean, are they the eight, eight, uh, ten great moments? Well, I didn't say ten great moments. Oh, I mean, okay. I think that, um, oh, I mean, you could go on and on about other moments. Uh, you know, as I said, the Frederick Douglass moment was, you know, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> How long? I mean, he, what was, how long? What, did he, when did he die again? It's been a long time. <laughs> I, I think he, he. I think he lived into the early nine, you know, twentieth century. So he you died know. before Trump was born. Yes, yeah. he did. All right. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, what do you? What do you? You know, you were here when he was president. I mean, what? What? What are? What are the other? Oh, well, I mean, Charlottesville obviously was a horrible moment, and yeah. but then there were it was it good was, people on both sides. Well. The, yeah, the problem with Charlottesville was that they only talked about the first thing he said, which was he said there was good people on both sides. For all sides. Yeah. Then he kind of clarified it later on in which he said he was saying that, um, well, there were people there who were to protest the removal of their culture, of their heritage, you know, the Robert E. Lee, the, the statue of the traitor in the middle of Charlottesville. Um, and he said he didn't mean the white, you know, forced by the press, he didn't mean the the, the uh, white supremacists. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know what to say with that. I, I don't I don't consider protection of you know monuments to someone like Robert E. Lee as something a president of the United States at this time. The president, by the way, of the Union that put down the rebellion <laughs> that was not done for states' rights. It was done to maintain slavery. Okay. As was the Alamo, um, <laughs> so um, so I mean that obviously was a terrible moment. Um, him dragging around his protection detail when he was still like spewing COVID. You remember that one? Oh yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, I, and and. Uh... Going to Cal California after one of the most devastating fires in the history. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. and just chastising the local authorities who were all they were not much raking. They were not raking the floor raking of the, the forest. Raking enough. the floor of the forest right. is what he said. He was chastising them for improper forest management, and you know, and, and that again, that the wildfire problem is complicated enough where there is it's not strictly a climate change problem, but it is largely exacerbated by climate change mm -hmm. and. Uh, Trump, you know, refused to embrace that. Uh, well, remember he said climate change was actually something manufactured by China yeah. um, to cripple American industry. That was his that, interpretation. That, that, that and COVID. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, what are the moments? So, um, I mean, it's, you know, obviously a lot of my time is trying to unremember all of this. <laughs> <laughs> by unremember, you mean forget? Yes. Yes. I, I, I really did want to. You know, he, well, he, he's he's not gone. He's not done yet. He's back, and uh, right. it's going to be an interesting. Let me just segue to one question. Sure. What is? Uh, I mean, here we are. We're still talking about Trump. Um, the media, generally speaking, is, and now he's got an opponent. I mean, he didn't have a he did well, one opponent, and he will have certainly he will have more Republican opponents, and. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting primary. And, and again, in Iowa, we at least will get to see Republican candidates, although the mm -hmm. Democratic Party has decided to bail out on rural America. But um, you know, hopefully we're going to see 
a, a legitimate exchange of ideas, not just personalities. I may be a little bit optimistic in imagining that might. Okay, so <laughs> a you're legitimate laugh. exchange of ideas. <laughs> well, and you know, partly it's up to the people, the voters. To, I mean, have, in, in, have to, you forgotten? for that exchange. Have you of ideas. forgotten that part of the what was it? The eighteen of them on the stage devolved into a discussion of the relationship of the size of your penis with your hands. Briefly, <laughs> that was. Yeah. That was absolutely okay. That, that, that was our that, that was, was our a, exchange of issues the last time. No, that was that was only part of it. Yeah, I mean, no, they, I, it's uh, you know, part of the problem is politicians. Some of them, many of them, okay, most are really good about uh, jumping away from the main topic they don't want to talk about and going into their <laughs> their talking point. You know, it's like that Saturday Night Live. But that's why it's really important for people in the in the early states, Democrat or Republican. Go to the caucuses, go to the primaries, or go, go to the events leading up to them, rather, mm-hmm. and question those candidates on stuff that matters. That is probably where the best conversation about issues happens. Right, and but video, then the, the response, it. video it. It'll, be, it'll just be like Tina Fey you know, doing Sarah Palin. That's a good question, but I'm going to answer the question I want to answer. Yeah, and then, and, then, and then nail them again. You know, you can nail them so many times, and finally they get sick of you, and they're just going to try to answer it, in my experience. Yeah. Hey, Charles, we've got to take a short break here. Thanks for joining us today, Charles. When we come back... Kathy's going to join me. We're going to be talking about the Republican leader who praised domestic food production. We'll talk about that. Did he or did he? Didn't he? We're going to talk about that when we come back from the I'm still trying to figure out who you're talking about. Well, yeah, you'll just have to stay tuned. (laughs) Back in a minute, folks, on the Fallon Forum. Architecture by Synthesis provides planning, design, and design-build services for high-performance, low-maintenance, affordable homes and buildings. Owner Mark Lipsham is committed to the mission of the Fallon Forum and community radio stations. Mark says no matter how you plan or renovate your project, use the most energy-efficient methods you can afford and the greenest, longest-lasting materials available. A beautiful project will be revered, maintained, and valued, and is the best investment you can make for a future we all share. Learn more at architecturebysynthesis.com. At Story County Veterinary Clinic, Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant. Well, if you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's clients stick with her year after year because they know she'll do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Kim a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's 232-8766. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Hey, thanks to our sponsors and to all of you who helped make this program happen. Thanks to Gateway Marketing Cafe, Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. Gateway also has great catering and floral services. That's Gateway Marketing Cafe. Hey, Kathy Burns is with me, and um, we've got this quote to share with you. Do you want to read it, Kathy, or shall I? I will read it. Okay. Quote, If we are not growing food in America, then we become more dependent on China, Mexico, and other nations for our food. We should not and must not be dependent on China or, frankly, any other country to feed our nation. So, Pop Quiz, uh, who who is that quote from? And I'll give you one one key, one, one clue. It's not me, although I could have said that. You, you, you could have said I could that. Have said that. Maybe I don't know. I don't know if if you would have named specific countries in a competitive manner. That we, <laughs> well, yeah. Because because sometimes we do depend on other countries for things we don't grow. Sure. Here. I mean, surprising source though. U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. That's right. And where did he say this, Kathy? It was at uh, a recent event, I believe. Right. Last week, it was addressing the uh, World Ag Expo. In right. California, and, and yeah, he and just he just he had eleven minutes. But this, <laughs> the quote was not part of his actual address. It was his tweet where he posted the video of his address. So that's even more significant because you have to spend unless you're Donald Trump, you spend a little bit of time thinking about what you're going to put into a tweet, mm-hmm. right? So, and there were some interesting tweets in response. Right, I I thought they were great. We're going to talk about those just a little bit and then we'll give our response because we listened to the 11 minutes as well 
and uh, frankly, the what he said in his tweet did not ring as as kindly or true. So, what as, were some of the responses? Uh, a Joseph Kravis tweeted in response, "Then help us grow victory gardens of sorts, food for the people program, or something along those lines." I don't know jo- Joseph Kravis, but I, I like the sentiment. Right, and a Jason Crypto Champ. Is that a real name? I hope so. <laughs> he tweeted, that's why we must outlaw Roundup glyphosate immediately. More incentives for organic, exclamation point, which we agree with. And I'm seeing a third one from, <laughs> this is definitely not a real name, Nostradani. Um, and the, the tweet in response to uh, Kevin McCarthy's um, call for more growing of food in America Chinese food is delicious. That's hilarious. Okay. And, and it is. No <laughs> well, disagreement is. there. Yeah. So uh, I am just going back to think about uh, we need to grow more food. And I think that we're already slipping. I think he's a little late coming to the rescue here. <laughs> um, according to a group called Beef to Live, the United States has imported at least 3.1 billion pounds of beef in 2022 up 2.3% from 2021, and most of the imported beef is from Canada, followed by Mexico and Brazil. So we're yeah. already importing a lot of food. Yeah, and, and, and you know, so, yeah, there, there are some people who are going to be thrilled by that, the vegan crowd, vegetarians, mm-hmm. are probably going to be happy that we're, that we're growing less beef in the U.S. But, but then uh, we're importing it. Well, yeah, and a lot of what that means, that when, you, when you think about beef coming from Brazil, think about Amazon rainforest destruction. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. That's that's just a that's a losing proposition all around. Right. Yeah. Another example of how this is uh, actually too late. And uh, according to Wikipedia, the largest pork producing company, and we've talked about this before, Ed, in the U.S. is Smithfield. They were purchased by a Chinese group in 2013, and uh, they are o- they were only contracting with farmers who could handle thousands of pigs. And the smaller farms were run out of business. Yeah, yeah. And so for ten years now, the mm-hmm. the company that that uh, slaughters, I believe, twenty five percent of the hogs in the U.S. is owned by China. Right. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> Representative Carthy, what are we going to do about that? Well, I want to I want to look at a couple of the statements from his address. Okay. Because that tells you what he really delivered to the okay. people attending. Uh, here's a quote. The first real occupation in this country was a farmer, and I'm thinking no, uh, because it's that's very Eurocentric, and indigenous people didn't all live where there was arable soil. So what mm. do you mean by occupation? So a lot of people made their living, in other words, kept themselves alive through hunting, fishing, foraging, and yes, some farming. So that, that was a, a weird thing to say. Uh, he quoted Daniel Webster. uh, who was U.S. Secretary of State in the mid-1800s, who said, when tillage begins, art flows. Therefore, the farmer is the founder of human civilization. And (laughs) there was art before there was tillage. Really? Where? Cave drawings. Oh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) All kinds of things. Pictographs on rocks, yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, to some extent, you could say that uh, agriculture really had a big impact on, on, uh, on how... Western civilization formed, but mm-hmm. uh, it's to, true, to, say, to but say that negates all previous cultures. It is, does. Uh, is, it does. Is deeply flawed. And uh, uh, then he got into what he meant by that a little. What? Why it touched him? He was talking about snow-tipped mountains and such. And he says what ruins this artwork that flows from tillage. He said is that the water flows to the ocean and not to the valley. And I would like to think he meant water conservation, but the next thing that he says makes me feel he did not mean that. He also said, what ruins this artwork is when I see that choices are made for fish and not for people. I don't even know where to go with that. I'm not sure what he was meaning, but yeah. it sort of negates it's, the it's, idea. It's kind of an aquatic version of, uh, of, uh, of spotted owls versus uh, logging jobs. Right. It's... Uh, it's- it's it's a denial of the biodiversity necessity to help mm. us all live good lives. Yeah. Uh, so I I don't know I I think when you dig into the content of his actual address he he was not really talking about well, but, the feel you know, good things that we. But think but of. it does I mean as we saw from those 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 tweets in response to him, uh, help us grow victory gardens and cut back on on Roundup. Uh, 
you know, the, the, he's, he's opened up the opportunity for a conversation about food production. And, you know, even, again, again vegans and vegetarians you know, probably don't want to be a part of this conversation, but I would love to see beef production happen in the U.S., not in Brazilian rainforests or mm -hmm. in Canada for that matter. Mm -hmm. I, I would love to see Iowa agriculture be more focused on food production and not just on producing ethanol uh, and uh, feed for cattle and hogs. Well, you know? but some of McCarthy's comments then really got to the point where he's saying that we could do more of this in America, and he didn't say this, but if we would deregulate. So yeah, I, I think well, that's what he was getting at. <laughs> that, could, that, that could cut both yeah. ways. As, yeah. as, we, as we had a similar conversation earlier in this program about radio and podcasts. Hey, Kathy, thanks for joining us. And uh, thanks, folks, to our production team of Sherry Herdina, Forrest Detterman, Charles Goldman, Kathy, and myself, Ed Fallon. Thanks also to our local small business partners, Dr. David Drake Family Psychiatry, Western Optometry, Story County Veterinary Clinic, Architecture by Synthesis, and Gateway Marketing Cafe. Thanks also to our nonprofit partners, Birds and Bees Urban Farm, Bold Iowa, and Iowa Physicians for Social Responsibility. And thanks to the Des Moines Irish Session for providing our bumper music. Back again next week, folks, with another hour of Cutting Edge Talk Radio.